Hello there, listener. I'm coming at you from uh, Portland. Uh, here's what's nice about Portland. I'm just sitting in my rental car in front of some random person's house. I would never do this in Connecticut. I would never just pull up in front of some random's house and go, you know what, I'm going to set up my podcast rig and just yell like an idiot right in front of your home. But with all the homeless people in this town, this is why Portland brings out the freaking people. Because once you just say, hey, we're not having rules anymore, you can just do yourself. Uh, it brings out everybody being like, you know what? No more courtesy. No more courtesy. I'm just going to do me. I'm going to be unapologetically me. So that's it. I hope these people uh, are used to homeless vagrants in front of their household. Because this is actually a pretty nice house I'm sitting in front of. They've got, you know, beautiful uh, plants. Maybe I'll take some pictures. Maybe I'll post some pictures of the uh, house I'm broadcasting in front of. Portland's fun. Uh, you know, I woke up really early this morning because of like the, uh, I guess time zones and the way that works. So I woke up pretty early and I got to get outside and the entire city was quiet. And since I had the city for myself, I got the rare sight of the homeless people when they came out of their tent and they drained their urine into the street. So that's nice. I've never been able to do, I've, I've seen sunsets. I've woken up early enough to see a nice sunset, but I don't think I've ever been treated to, um, entire homeless encampments, you know, trying to beat the city to the, uh, to the locations. Maybe everyone does that in Portland. Maybe everyone wakes up in the morning and they have to let out their urine into the streets. Speaking of urine into the streets, I was trying to make an announcement. I didn't even want to start this episode until I made the most important announcement I've ever made in the history of Run Your Mouth. So this is your chance. Dial up your your radio, even though I'm not on your radio, wherever you listen to me, dial it up right now. I've got a immensely important announcement. I need you to help save the shed bathroom. Email the City of Stanford Parks and Rec Department, and uh, what you can tell them is that they've they've cleaned up the shrubbery in the park. We used to have, behind the shed, there was a wall of green. It was a perfectly working, natural, outdoor bathroom, and they just decided to take it down. I don't know. I don't know who complained to the city that they decided that they should clean up the park and trim the the grass and take away our perfectly good facilities. Now we just got the whole park. It's exposed. There's nowhere to urinate. You got to like walk to the other side of the park. If you're in the middle of a shed episode and the tradition in the shed is if you got to pee while we're shedding, you you got to take some heat. So if you go out there, you want to pee real quickly and get back real quickly. So don't say too many horrible things about you. But now you got to go all the way to the other side of the park. That's why right now I need you to send a letter to the Parks and Rec Department of Stanford, Connecticut. And I don't know how exactly you restore trees and shrubbery that you cut down, but they've got to make this right. I, we had a perfectly good working, you know, bathroom there. And it's going to affect the property value. We all know when you go and buy a house, you're buying it for, for the property value. You know, you want a two-bedroom house with a, with a half bath. And that's that's what the way the shed people were counting it. It was a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a two and a half bathroom house where if they listed it on Zillow, they'd put up pictures of their bathroom and uh, pictures of the shrubbery, but now they can't do that anymore. So I am out here in Portland. I wish someone told me in advance just how uh, homeless friendly this city was because there was no reason to get a hotel room. I mean, the weather out here is nice. There's plenty of grassy places to pitch a tent. I mean, this is that should be the pitch to come here. Just pitch a tent and protest. You can hang out anywhere you want. They're cool with it. Uh, I took a nice spill on a bike. I got to tell you, this was a legendary fall that I had. Uh, It's not too often where you go over the handlebars on your bike and uh, you're lucky to have smashed your face into a car door. (laughs) You got, there's a very odd (laughs) circumstance where you're lucky to have broken your fall 
with uh, the side of a car. Here's what happened. I was very excited to see a new city, to rent bikes. I got suckered by some fucking, you know what? I'm just going to use it. I'm going to call, we should start calling real hipsters what they are. They're fucking gypsies. They've just re, like, uh, maybe that's offensive. Maybe you're not allowed to say that. Who the hell knows? But I was looking online for a, for a bike rental. I'm like, this is great. I could see a whole town in one day. I like riding my bike. I used to ride my bike in New York City all the time. I was like, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to get a bike. I'm just going to bike all over the place, get iced coffees, eat donuts, drink beers, shit in my pants. This is going to be an epic day. I'm going to get this entire city done in one day. Other people, if they're traveling across the country, you know, they might need two or three days to see the sights and scenes, but not with my ADD energy on a bicycle. I'm going to see it all. So I'm looking online. And there's some dude, and he uh, rents old bikes, and they're not that expensive, and they look kind of hipstery and cool. And, you know, for all the talk that there's been about the dangers of corona, nobody's speaking out about unscrupulous bike rentals. Because I got on this bike, and right away it was like making a like this, uh, like something was off about the, the brakes. And of course I'm with Kyle, who's super cool. He's a skier guy. And he's just like, nah, come on, bro. You'll be fine. Uh, who, by the way, I'm telling you, this guy's got superpowers because we both wiped out on the exact same turn. We're on these shitty old bikes with thin worn out tires. Uh, and you got the trolley line here. And so we turned into it in the second and basically you know when, I don't know when the last time you've uh, got into a car accident, but things kind of happen in slow motion where you, you feel like you're going to beat it and then you kind of have that realization of like, nope, this is happening. So we both managed to wipe out on exactly the same turn where I guess our tires got pinched in the little crevice on the road or they just slipped out on that little, uh, the little metal piece, which is super slick from where the trolley line is and then got caught in the next piece. And I just went right over the handlebars of the car, of, of the bike. And I went face first into this guy's car door and then hit the pavement. Kyle somehow went over the front of his bike, just leapfrogged over me, landed on his feet like a cat, and was just completely fine. Of course, the entire street stopped, turns around, looks, are you okay? And you just got to, like, wave to the crowd like you just uh, completed a, a race or something where you're like, yeah, yeah, nothing to see. I'm fine. Just I'm going to sit down and please don't look at me. Uh, here was one thing though. I left a big enough dent in this guy's car. I was like, shit, I'm going to have to leave a note. Uh, and it's not even that I'm like that honest of a person. I just felt like it was concussion karma where I wasn't sure if I had a concussion. And then I felt like if I didn't leave the note, it was definitely going to develop into a concussion. I just wanted as much of the God. I'm not sure if I believe in on my side at that time. Uh, so I left the note and what's lucky is I write like a kid with special needs. Uh, whether or not I have special needs that we can leave that up to debate, but I'm just seeing, saying if you saw the way I wrote, if I'm writing by hand, uh, it looks like a seventh grader who maybe recently learned the English language and also has special needs. There's definitely a little dyslexia in there. The, the letters are real bubbly and big. Uh, and so I left this person a note that just said, uh, wiped out on my bike. <laughs> hit face into your side <laughs> definitely left big dent okay to pay for damages please call and i think he looked at that and said well a retarded kid hit my car so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make this guy pay for the damages so you know not having your special needs fixed as a kid sometimes it has some victories where if you go face first into somebody's car um they might not actually hit you for damages but the good news is i was wearing sheath underwear so my dick's okay so if you're out there and you've been unsure whether or not you should invest in sheath, 
Now's your time. I was wearing I'm, I was wearing my sheath. I had my dick in the sheath hole, and I'm telling you, my knees are scraped up. My elbows are thing. I actually don't think I have a, a black eye at all. But dude, I'm gonna post. A, you'll see the picture. I got a nice. I took a picture of the dent I put in this guy's car. But luckily, nothing was flopping around. My dick didn't have to scrape up against the ground or nothing. Everything was kept in place. I must. I might have been flying all over the place, and I'd like to, you know, create this imagery like I've got junk that could have, you know, been mangled if it wasn't protected and kept securely in place by sheath underwear. So, you know, now's the chance. If you've never considered buying sheath before, just know that if you go face first into a car, um, as long as your dick and balls are in sheath underwear, uh, they'll be kept in place, and you'll not have to worry about that. So sheathunderwear.com, use promo code RYM, get 20% off. And uh, I have to reconsider, you know, the biking sport. I don't think I'm doing any more bike rentals. I think uh, I'm going to keep to my own bike. And I think I've also learned my lesson to make sure that you actually do the maintenance on that bike. And I think I've got maybe two more spills in me before I really have to reconsider. Uh, maybe just giving up on, you know, trying not to be fat. Just going full fat. Just eat the donuts. Uh, quit the trying to stay in shape part. Uh, cause I don't know how many more concussions. It'd be great if your brain actually came with like a formal concussion counter, like a little thing on the side that just let you know how many more concussions you've had left. I don't think I've had that many. I think I had one bad one skiing. I think I probably had one or two as a kid cause we all did playing, you know, football or whatever, just running into, I definitely had more than one moment where I went out for a pass and like ran into a pole kind of thing. I'm that kid. So who knows? So there's this odd thing in this hotel that uh, I'm staying at, and millennials have this thing about them, especially the hipstery ones, where they got to do everything different. And there's some things that could stay the way they were. There's a lot of things that need improvement, and then there's some you're changing it just to make a change, and it's not necessary. So in this case, they gave you the perfect room um, for if you are trying to go to a hotel with... If you want to fuck your friend, that's what I'm saying. If you've got a friend and you want to have sex with them, but you didn't want to actually hit on them. So what they did is they've put up these bathroom walls that aren't quite walls. They're like somewhat see-through, but they're like a silhouette kind of thing. So if you're trying to wash out your ass and your friend's in the other room like watching TV, it looks like you're sticking things up your anus. Like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Who wants to stay in a hotel room? Even if you're with your wife, do you want to watch her take a shit? Like, the, the bathroom is supposed to be a secondary room where you can take care of your business without being seen. Who wanted to make sexy, see-through... Uh, walls for bathrooms. It doesn't even make sense to me. What is the utility of this? Like, maybe it would make sense if it was the shower only, I guess, but like, is it, you know, it's like they want you to be extra sad. They really want you to be aware of the fact that you're not out with a girlfriend. So that if you're just two dudes bunking up in a hotel room, uh, you got to see the outline of the other guy's dick while he's taking a shower. Have you guys been in hotel rooms like this where they've got shower? Um, it's not even a shower wall. I'm talking about the entire bathroom is kind of the, um, it's like that thick, uh, cloudy glass, but it's not totally transparent, but you can see total outlines. It's, it's so that you can look sexy in front of your friend while you're taking a shower or that he can watch you squat and take a shit. I don't get it. Um, here's what I did to protest them is that now they've got those single like bathrooms, uh, in the lobby because they don't do male, female anymore. It's all like the single units. Um, and I don't think they would have expected anyone to have been able to do this, but I've got IBS and I blew up every single one of their bathroom stalls over the course of just one morning. I was like, you guys did this to you. I I'm very content taking dumps in my own room. I would rather take a dump in my own room, 
but you leave me no choice and that there isn't even a formal fucking door that I can quietly, while my friend's sleeping, go into. Because here's what ends up happening. If you try and even if you try and wake up before the other guy so that you can blow up the bathroom before he does, um, he's going to hear the shuffling and then look to the left and go, ah, oh, fuck, I'm watching my friend take a shit, which maybe Kyle's into that. I don't know Kyle that well. Very funny comedian. Done a couple gigs with him. And I know that he's got superpowers where he can fall off a bike, but maybe he was actually upset about the fact that I was going to the lobby. I don't know. I'm not passing any judgments. You're in Portland. Like I said, it brings out the weird in people. Uh, I wonder how long it's going to be till uh, straight, cisgender, is that the proper term? I don't know the proper term for people. Women complain about the single bathroom stalls because they're like, I don't want to spell, I don't want to smell man dumpage anymore. Lady dumpage can't be like Rob Bernstein, IBS, eight donuts late at night dumpage. That can't be the same thing. I'm telling you, I probably ruined some wet ladies' makeup. They go into that, they're like, are you fucking kidding me? Do I really need to be in bathrooms after heavy set dudes? Not that I'm that heavy, but there's some heavy set dudes out there. And I bet even the heavy set, now heavy set women probably, like, I don't think heavy set dude dumps would be any worse than heavy set lady dumps. Maybe there's a scientist out there who's uh, studying, you know, droppages, like, uh, you know, rectal, rectal droppings from heavy set people to see if uh, male dumpages smell any worse than female dumpages. But I have to imagine that uh, I don't prefer it. I'd rather that I can take a shit and then some other dude has to smell my shit and be like, oh, dude. But then, like, you know, it's like, all right, we're both dudes here. It's not as pleasant when it's a lady. And then I'm sure the lady's like, oh, come on. Do I really got to be in another one of these single bathroom stalls right after some dude fucking blew it? All right, enough fucking bathroom diarrhea talk. Uh which means it's a good opportunity to plug our next sponsor, uh, which, guys, this one's great. It's called Drive, D-R-Y-V. Uh, and if you're like me and you drink a shit ton of coffee all the time or you're into energy drinks, these are great. They're like these little pouches. You put them by your gums, and it's got caffeine, B vitamins, L-theanine, all the nootropics. Uh, here's what I like about it. I keep it in the car because usually I'm always running around looking for coffee. I think a whole pack of this thing is maybe three or four bucks. It's not expensive. So it's way cheaper than energy drinks. And I can't tell you how many times I've just, I'm on the road and I'm looking for a place to grab a cup of coffee and I'm anxious. Where am I going to find coffee? I've also, I've laid back off the energy drinks. I used to be a big Red Bull drinker and I've somewhat cut that out because of the sugar and I wasn't enjoying it as much anymore. Um, and I can just tell you as an ADD crazy person who drinks a shit ton of coffee, um, drive spelled D R Y V is solid, uh, in the afternoon, dude, you put it by your gums. I like the mint flavor one more than the coffee one you put in your gums. It's uh, slow absorbing. It's a good energy kick. It's just way better than energy drinks. I'm telling you, I keep a can in the, uh, glove compartment of my car and just whenever I'm looking for a cup of coffee I pop one of those in and they're perfect so go check it out it's a uh, drive the promo code is r run one r u n one and uh I forgot what the promo code was I think it's like a buck and they'll send it to you with free shipping so you can go check it out I promise you if you're drinking a lot of coffee pick up a pack of this thing or especially if you're drinking energy drinks this is definitely healthier and you're gonna save yourself a ton of money and then also you don't have to like drive around looking for the shit you just keep it in uh in the car you're good to go once more that's drive d-r-y-v promo code run one now I want to talk about flying this was my first time flying in a while and uh we all know that there's been a lot of things in the corona enforcement that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, and in this case, this was my first time on a flight. So I just love the fact that, you know, in typical life, you got to wear a mask. You can't be six feet from other people. But as long as you're on an airplane, you can be six, six, six inches away from some person who's vomiting into a barf bag. 
which is the first time I've experienced that on a flight where you're landing and someone's just fucking hurling into that barf bag. And I just, I, I was just staring the other way. Cause the last thing you want to do is get grossed out by the other person who's, who's puking. And then you realize that their puking is going to make you need a puke. And then the next person smells your puke. And then they got to puke. The next thing you know, everyone on this flight's fucking puking up into those barf bags. And then the CDC has got to just like blow up the plane or something. All right. So for all this talk, I mean, Obviously, flying is this protected industry that they were allowed to continue why restaurants couldn't. And then some health experts were like, well, it's different. Everyone's wearing a mask. And even though you're in this tiny tin can, uh, the air's filtered or whatever the fuck their excuse was. I can just tell I've never seen a mob scene like what I saw in the Newark security line getting in. Uh, they got you, I mean, it's not just that you're not six feet be- be- from you, the person in front of you or the person in back of you. They've got the wrapping lines, like, uh, from what I remember the last time I was at Six Flags when you're trying to get into a roller coaster. And by the way, the designs on the way that they wrap these things, it's like a hedge maze where it doesn't even make sense the way that you keep circling back around each other. And then in case you were leaving any space, you got these TSA people who are yelling at you like, I don't know, hockey coaches, they fill in that space, get up there, get up there, move on, come on, come on, we're, we're trying to squeeze a thousand people through this machine in the next three minutes, I need you moving, I need you guys packed in right on top of each other, I mean, the idea that, like, and then, of course, you know, they're still pretending, like, hey, you might be able to see your relatives, I don't know, one branch of government, not talking to the next one, but the fact that airlines are getting away with this shit while they're pretending that other businesses need to be socially distanced, and then, all right, they're always claiming, like, for your safety, uh, we have new cleaning programs protocols where we're cleaning down everything. Have you ever seen anything more dirty than one of those bins that you got to put your shoes into? They make you take all of your clothes off and put it into this bin. And that bin, it might as well be the the tiles from uh, the Port Authority bathroom. I mean, those things, they're like filled with fucking residue. It's like almost uh, if you've never cleaned out your bong and you pulled out the stem, that's like the color on the bottom of these bins. It's like an unwashed bathtub. It's just got that that thick layer of black filth on the bottom of it, like, uh, like coal miners just came through there. But for your safety, we're wiping down everything. We're keeping it clean. We just need you to take off every garment of your clothes and put it into this thing and everything that you pack. And then the other thing I hate about that, the process, uh, firstly, that... The moments that you spend away from your wallet and phone and you're trying to get, does that not just feel like the longest wait on earth? How often is somebody just swiping somebody? I wouldn't even try and swipe somebody else's wallet. I would try and just swipe, like, quickly swipe a card out of the wallet or maybe just grab some of the guy's cash. Or maybe there's so much security around there, it's such a ballsy move, no one does it. But it seems like for thievery, or, you know, maybe or here's the better move is um, you accidentally take somebody's wallet, you walk away, you take what you need, and then you bring it, you're like, oh, shit, I grabbed the wrong guy's wallet. Maybe they figure it out later. Yeah, maybe, you know what? I'm not that good at being a thief. Maybe uh, maybe that's all terrible ideas, but it uh, it surprises me I it, like because they don't keep you and then your bins, they don't even go in the proper order. So there's always like a lag of time between you and when you can just retrieve and your phone and wallet has to be separate. You can't even just keep it in your bag so that it, or maybe I'm just that bad of a flyer that I don't actually quite know all the rules on how this stuff works. But then you go to collect your stuff. And I got to tell you, as a person with a little bit of OCD who really likes to take his time to check phone keys and wallets, which, by the way, it's because. I've lost my phone key and wallet quite a few times, or I've just shown up to places and realized, oh, what happens to that credit card? 
I got, I got a system. I've got an order here. I am a spaz of a human being. And you know, I'll spend an hour in my apartment rechecking to make sure that I put everything in order. And then before I get on the flight, you make me undo my entire system. And then you don't give me the space or tools I need just to do a triple check on everything and make sure I've recollected myself. And then it's after they put you through the machine and violated like, you know, your feeling of uh, self-worth. I don't know how, but somehow I'm going to like lead the cause of if we've got fucking, you know, ramps for people who are in wheelchairs, I think we can make the world a little more OCD and IBS friendly. That's what I'm going to stand for. I'm going to take a full spin from libertarian anti-government to we need government policies that are going to be more welcoming for the neurotic. I. because like they just give you zero space to collect your things and make sure that you have them again. I, I, you know, there's got to be other people that are frustrated by this. Robsnewsroom at gmail.com. You can tell me if you've got better, um, better ways of, uh, approaching this that you don't feel like, shit, I must've left something at the airport security. Um, and I know that we weren't going to do bathroom talk anymore, but they need better airport bath. they like, not even for me. And I use a lot of bath, but it's like, how do you not have great shitters outside of the plane to try and incentivize people to not have to shit on the plane? Like the abundancy of bathrooms at the airport, and this isn't true at all airports. I've been to some airports. They've got wonderful bathrooms before you get on the flight, but I'm talking specifically, uh, I guess, Newark. They, they got like single stall bathrooms. You're, they're almost so bad. I could see a person walking in there just being like, fuck it. I guess I'll take this shit on my flight. The other thing I can't believe is the way that people are eating uh, before the, like, I can't believe that there's, like, that you've almost got a mall food court set up before the plane ride. I can't believe that people are showing up to the airport and eating full meals. I'm trying to fast for two days so that I don't possibly have to use the, the bathroom on the flight. And people, I got onto the flight and there were these two chunky people who got onto the flight early and opened up um, like those styrofoam tins and they had like plates with sausage and eggs. And I and the guy sitting next to me in the middle of the flight, he started eating beef lo mein and then and chased it with some coffee. Are other people's stomachs this good? I can't believe, like, if I was the airline, I'd be like, listen, we're, we've got bathrooms, you can't, there's no eating on this thing. It should be like a fucking library. It's only five or six hours. I mean, I'm a chunky dude. I eat, I eat, I eat more food than I should be eating, and even I can refrain from the airport and from the airline. What are these people doing? Also, the mid-flight the mid uh, flight drinks, which are annoying, I can't believe people are drinking co- warm coffee on a flight. Firstly, I don't know why you want to be up on, like up like that on a flight, uh, but also who is drinking warm coffee to just put their mask on? Like, are there certain like do you do people not care about their own coffee breath? Do they not have noses, or am I just that much more aware of things that irritate me, and other people are just not irritated by anything? Like they can just drink a warm cup of coffee on a flight. And then just be breathing into their mask for six straight hours with fucking coffee breath with no concerns whatsoever. Just 0% irritated by, that makes no sense. And by the way, that airport coffee, that can't be good coffee. Like I like diner coffee, but that's got to be like end of, like end of the, the, the pot fucking, you know, stick to your teeth coffee. And you're you're just going to drink that on a plane. I think I figured out the, uh, the hack for, for masks, obviously, Wearing masks is terrible. You got to get the shitty masks that don't work. If you get those crappy old school, the surgical masks that kind of fan open, 
Um, you end up with some ventilation on the sides and the top of your nose. What you can't do is you can't rest it under your nose and just have your nose exposed because then everyone sees that you're cheating the system. What you do is you put it just over, and maybe this only works if you got a big fat Jew nose. Maybe if you've got one of those thin little gentle noses, this trick won't work. Uh, but for me, I go over the tip of the nose and my nose protrudes enough. I end up with vents on both the right and left side of my nose, which is total space for air to get in and out. And then also on the sides... Um, of my mouth, you get like a nice little curvature there so that you end up with air coming in on both sides and then you don't have to just, you know, be breathing into yourself for an entire flight. So I recommended that. It took me a couple months of the pandemic from wearing the N95s or like cloth masks to then realize if you just buy the shitty masks that don't work, uh, you also don't have to worry where you don't have to deal with that much of fucking just hot breath in your face for hours on end. All right, and I've got some more random uh, thoughts about being on a plane uh, because, you know, everything bothers me. <laughs> I was on this plane, uh, first time flying for a while. It was a flight. I had to wake up at four in the morning to, to get to the airport. Um, I'm on this plane. I take my Dramamine. I'm hoping just to sleep for the whole flight and then get into Portland well-rested so I can go for a bike ride and not smash my face into a car. That's what I'm hoping to do. And what I love is when you finally fall asleep, like, you know, it's after, uh, it's after takeoff, you finally fall asleep. And then all of a sudden the pilot comes on and goes, uh, hello, this is your pilot speaking. I know that some of you probably just fell asleep. And so I just wanted to wake you up with a brief reminder that you're going to have to sit in your seat for the next six hours. So we're now in the uh, air. Here's some random stats about wind and, uh, time and altitude that nobody cares about. And so if you just fell asleep, I just wanted to wake you up and remind you that you will now have to sit in your, your seat awake for the next six hours. And then here's the other thing. You know, you spend all this time on the fucking tarmac. They never take off on time. Then they finally take off and you're like, oh, great. I can go take a piss. And they're like, nope, we're going to have uh, the aisleways clogged. We only have one aisleway. And so what we're going to do is put our fat stewardesses in them with these things that if you fell asleep, we're going to hit your elbow. And then we're going to offer you coffee that you probably don't need a drink on a plane. Uh, and then maybe... Maybe in like another 30 minutes, you'll be able to use the restroom. Okay, and two more random observations um, from the uh, from the airport. One is I bought a water bottle, and now they just have like kiosks where you can uh, where you can just you know you don't have to like go through someone. You can just buy your own stuff. And the kiosk, even though I ring up the item for myself, still asked for a tip. I mean that the balls on robots. They did doing zero work and you're going to ask for, that's the whole point of the fucking robot is that there's not some person there that I have to feel shitty when they turn around the thing and like the tip options are just 20, 40 and, you know, 70% on already overpriced coffee. And you're like, shit, all right, I guess I now I have to tip. Uh, but I'm, I got to get myself the water on an inflated water price and I still have to tip you on it. All right. And then here was the last crazy thing I observed at the, oh, real IDs. How fucking freaky are those signs? I mean, the idea that the government gave you a fake ID. Hey, you know that ID that we issued you? It's fake, so you're going to need a real one. I mean, already that's lunacy. But then the uh, the marketing for it was this happy person, and it said, real ID, be your authentic self. Because if you can't go to the DMV and wait on a line to get a sticker, you're not authentically you. Uh, you don't want to not be you. I mean, if you really want to feel like yourself, what you're going to need is get a thing called a real ID from the government. Because without that, without that advanced verification of being really you, I mean, you, you might you might walk around questioning your identity. 
You might wonder, am I, am I really even a human being without a government sticker on my identification? Firstly, it's just a creepy thing, the, the fact that they're trying to ramp up uh, COVID passports. They're just trying to ramp up the ability to go anywhere and do anything. But the marketing on it, where it's like they're doing you a favor here. We all know that's why everyone's on edge. That's why everyone, well, that's why all these millennials and Generation Z kids have anxiety is because they're not being able to be authentically themselves. But as long as they can get a real ID, then they'll, you know, we won't even need to pay for transgender surgery anymore. Everyone can feel okay. They can feel comfortable with who they are because they've got a real government ID. Oh, I know I said I was done with uh, things that pissed me off about the airport, but one more. I get into the parking lot at Newark. It's the uh, the the budget extended stay uh, parking or whatever. Uh, and so you park your car, and then they got little bus stations, but it's not marked if it's for pickup, if it's for drop off. You're in this giant lot. You're next to no other cars. You've got no idea how long it's going to take until this bus shows up. You're in between rounds of diarrhea where you just stopped at a gas station to get out one round. And now you're trying to get into the airport to push out another one before you get onto this flight that, you know, has terrible bathrooms. So you're really, you're, you're in full fledged panic mode. You haven't flown in a while. And now all of a sudden you're standing at a bus stop and there's no signage. And you always like, this has happened to me where like, well, you were waiting at the wrong bus stop. Everyone knows they don't pick up that bus stop or you got to be at the green bus stop. And you were at the, the black bus stop. And, and you know, the black bus stop is only on the half hour markers and we're picking up people on the 15 hour markers. And this is your responsibility to know it. Even if you've never been to this airport before and there's no sign. So anyways, I, uh, I'm waiting, I stand there, and it's one of those odd, because usually I don't like being around randos. The last thing you want to do is have to make conversation with an absolute rando. But this is one of those few moments in my life where I'm like, I wish that there was a just rando person around that I could actually, you know, make conversation with and make sure that a bus is actually going to stop here and I'm not just going to stand around like a schmuck and miss my flight. I, but then I notice they have a box there that says, click for prediction. And it says... It was like, from God. He's like, I know that you're nervous. I know that you're standing here and you've got no idea when the next bus is going to come. But we actually thought ahead. We've got a button. You can press this button. It will tell you exactly how much time till the next bus is going to show up. So you don't have to just stand here anxiously having no idea whether or not a bus is going to arrive. We thought of this problem. All you got to do is click that button and we're going to give you the answer that you're looking for. And here's what happens when you click that button. Real-time predictions. No predictions. The time is 6.57 a.m. I mean, how laughably government slash big business is that for you? Like, listen, we knew that you might be anxious because there's no signage here whatsoever. And so you can click this and we'll confirm that we have zero information for you. And then we're still going to ask you a survey after your flight. Hey, how'd you like, how'd you like flying with us? How was your experience here at the new Newark airport? Is there anything we could do to make this better for you? And uh, if you're like me and you find yourself aggravated by every single incident of your entire life, yo, Delta. <laughs> we all know yo, Kratom. They're pretty awesome. I love their product. They're definitely the best supporter of uh, this show and a lot of offensive comedy out there. Well, they just launched a new product, Yo Delta. Delta 8 is, uh, it's pretty great. It's, uh, it's just, it'll get you high. Just be over the age of 21. Take this responsibly. I first discovered Delta 8 because I walked into the bodega place right next to my house and they had it there. I was like, ah, that can't really be a thing. And then I looked it up. Firstly, I took it and it was like a 25 milligram. I mean, dude, this stuff's legit. It's going to get you crazy stoned. 
I uh, all of their products are good. They sent me both the gummies and the vape pens. I've been hitting the vape pen. Uh, it hits real smooth. It hits quick. It will get the job done. So if uh, you're a casual smoker of the marijuana like I am, and I got to tell you, at this point in my life, I might prefer the uh, the vape pens to smoking. I'm just so lazy. I don't want to have to like find a lighter or even smell like weed or put it into a bowl. But the fucking vape pen, you just you pull it and you're done. So. Go to YoDelta.com. If you're, uh, you're a pot smoker, you'll thank me. It ships right to your house. Use promo code RYM. Uh, I think the promo is 25% off, so the pricing is pretty incredible. So go pick up some edibles. Go pick up some dab darts. And let's move on. Uh, you know what? That's it. I got some other talk here from Maine about uh, uh, no-bake cookies, whoopie pies, meat thermometers. But we can do it another time. We can we can get into non-bake cookies another time because this was a lot of talking about nonsense. How much nonsense can I really talk about in one episode? So let's get into the second half. I talked to Crypto with a guest that we've had on before. Um, but actually, last thing before we do that. I was giving some thought to, uh, and I got to re-listen to the Gene Epstein episode because I have not yet, and he was throwing a lot of insights at me, and sadly, sometimes my Jew lawyer brain, I get more combative than I do listen, but you know, we'll get better at that as we go, Uh, but when he was talking about his theory of money uh, kind of existing outside of government, uh, so I was giving a little bit more thought to that, and one of the things that just kind of struck me, and he might have even said this, uh, but one of the problems with socialism, and this is definitely something I heard Dave talk about on the podcast before, is that you kind of need the market to establish prices. So like even in Soviet, uh, in, in Soviet Russia, I think Dave was saying that they would look at, you know, magazines from America to look at pricings for items in order to establish it because it's very difficult if you're sitting down as a single individual, uh, and you were trying to just establish a price for something out of nowhere Think about the computations that would have to go on to try and establish what something should be valued at. However, if like eBay, you just throw something up and everyone's bidding on it, you start to be able to establish what the value of something is pretty quickly. Uh, So if you start, if you extend that and all the way past a physical item, which at least you can work off of raw materials having a price to them uh, and the labor that went into it. So that might be one way if you were starting from scratch on how to price something. It's, well, the materials cost me this, the labor is worth this, and I reasonably think I can get this. At least there's a little bit of a formula for how to do that. But with currency, how can you possibly just create currency from nothing as a government and and decide this is going to be the value of it? At some point, it's going to have to come from the negotiations of different people establishing what the value should be in order for it to kind of get off the ground or be in existence. And especially if you start thinking about it within the structure of it having never existed whatsoever, it'd be really difficult for one single individual or a government to go, hey, we're all going to transact with this item and this is what this item will be valued at. It kind of needs to come about through a negotiation process of multiple individuals looking to fill a need that they're looking to transact and then everyone realizing, okay, hey, we'll accept those seashells. We'll accept that gold. We'll accept this other thing. Maybe if Gene were to re-listen to this, he'd go, that's totally not the point I was making and you have it 100% wrong. And honestly, as I'm speaking right now, I'm even losing uh, my own thought process a little bit. Uh, But I was thinking about that because I I do think that it sounds reasonable to me to say that not only did currency come out organically outside of government, but there's a good chance that if we if it never 
existed outside of government, government would not have been able to um, create it, uh, get it off the ground and get people to utilize it. Uh, and with that, if you're interested in more currency and crypto talk, uh, fan of the show, uh, who actually sent me, sent me this article, but he just sent me the article, treated me and Kyle to some sandwiches. So shout out to Mark, who heard that we were in Portland, hit us up and took us out for some delicious brisket sandwiches, even though I kind of put the bread on the side and ate it with the salad. But, you know, I don't always do that. I am the sandwich guy and I'm normally eating it as sandwiches. But a whole flight of, you know, trying not to make diarrhea will make you rethink your eating habits. But once I'm back home, sandwich eating is a home game. And I promised you guys I'm done with the bathroom talk. It's getting disgusting. It's too much. No one needs this in their lives. But just shout out to Mark. I appreciate you uh, taking us out for uh, for some sandwiches. Uh, and every, every other fan of the show, you should be stepping up your game. You should be buying Black Captain. Um, you Get on Mark's level. Buy Black Captain. Uh, send me articles that would make good source materials for the show that could then turn into 45-minute discussions. And when I'm in your town, you know, treat me to some sandwiches and buy Black Captain. Show some respect to the Run Your Mouth show. All right, that's it for me. I've had enough of ranting in a, in a hot car from random street corners, by the way. Uh, Portland, not the easiest place to find quiet street corners to record from. I started in front of that one house, like I said I was doing, and then I bailed on it. I don't know. Something was giving me bad vibes because uh, my my car was getting too hot. I had to roll down the window, and I was like, all right, I can't yell in front of this guy's house, but the windows rolled down. So then I was driving my car trying to find new spots. The problem is you find a quiet corner, some homeless pro- person's probably already claimed it. So then I found another, but listen, it's enough. I've ranted enough in a hot car. I'm done ranting from this hot car. Uh, that is the end of this week's episode. Thank you to all of our sponsors. And uh, now let's get into the second half. And now coming back on the show, we've got Ed Pavel Trades. Uh, I came across an interesting little uh, crypto headline, so I figured why not have an expert on. Ooh, but before we get into this, fucking Ethereum's going nuts, dude. Yeah, that, well, it kind of dipped a little bit earlier, but it, uh, on the whole, I don't know if you were paying attention earlier, but uh, Elon uh, said that they are no longer accepting Bitcoin. Well, at the moment. So now that's going to be really good for, you know, Ether, Ethereum because they're... Uh, Doge? Really He's going to go hard code Doge <laughs> only for payments? Well, Doge is proof of work as well, uh, like Bitcoin. But Ethereum is actually moving over to a proof of stake network model, which will please a lot of the environmentalists because it's, you know, less taxing on electricity and all that jazz. So, so any of these, uh, ESG or whatever investors who are interested in crypto might make the case against Bitcoin that it's wasting electricity. And so Ethereum is as the next best, I'm not an Ethereum guy. I'm not that big on crypto, but at least the argument is there that as the second most reliable coin, it's also the one that's not destroying the environment. Well, that's the argument, but like Bitcoin about roughly, there's a few different estimates, but roughly three quarters of all the electricity consumed by Bitcoin comes from renewable energy resources. So it's all oh, like interesting. green energy, yeah, which is kind of, which is why a lot of us like today were thrown off that, you know, Elon came out and said that with Tesla. It's like, well, why? Uh, you know, like it's, it's a sale. It's already, there's some yeah. sort of a sale on yeah. there. And for him, it must be, uh, I, I'm sure... Yeah. And who knows what kind of, uh, listen, I'm pro billionaires and I'm pro the free market. And I think that we've got a problem in our economy that we should be cherishing people who provide so much value to the market that they become billionaires. Absolutely. I don't think, and Elon Musk also, I'll say to his credit as an interesting one, 
some of the bigger things that he's looking to solve are an argument against centralized government that he's like investing in going to Mars or he's investing in like hacking our brains. However, he does not strike me as a uh, a product of the free market. I think his profits are tied into the shit he's done with like, uh, you know, the credits on his cars. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in some SEC trouble down the line that with this kind of shit that he clearly bought Bitcoin before he said, hey, a major corporation is now going to accept it for transactions. Now he's got Dogecoin as a competitor and he's saying he's not going to accept Bitcoin. I think this guy's just kind of front running himself. Oh, definitely. There's there's definitely a lot. I mean, like he loves, you know, pumping, you know, Dogecoin up and same with Bitcoin. He's done it before. And, you know, I think there's kind of a rumor right now that's going to be, you know, Ethereum is kind of the next thing that he's going to sort of like pump up and start talking about. Supposedly, who knows? We'll see. You know, he'll, Does he, is he that much of a market influence that if he just starts plugging Ethereum, it's going to it might oh, actually yeah. legit move? Uh, definitely. He could. He Yeah, he he's a meme at this point and memes. I mean, as we have seen with the recent action in the market with all these freaking meme coins, like, you know, Shiba and everything. I mean, I personally didn't make any money off this because I'm an idiot, uh, I guess. But, uh, you know, a lot of us, you know, quote unquote galaxy brains, we, we didn't see this coming at all because, you know, it, it's, it was a pure retail movement and retail loves billionaires like Elon Musk because, he knows how to use social media really well. What's the, uh, I saw a headline today about a new crypto coin, which is the Doge killer, which is also taking oh off. Oh, you didn't even see that one. No. What, what, what tell me? No, about it was like it. A, an alternative mean one. Like I, I, I don't know. I don't oh, even understand. Yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah, that sounds yes. right. Well, actually also a uh, little, yeah, to be on that front today, uh, Vitalik Buterin, who is actually the, you know, co-founder, you know, of, you know, Ethereum and, is head of like I don't know his exact position actually in the Ethereum Foundation, and, but uh, he was gifted a bunch of these meme coins by developers and community members, and because they're trying to you know get exposure for their their BS, and he sold off all like, of them, all of like all of it today, and like it, he made a like a I think it was a one point two billion, or I, I I it was over a billion, I'm I pretty certain uh, dollar did, donation. Did that- did that affect the valuations of all oh, of those? Yes. The Doge held very well, surprisingly. I was expecting Doge to drop a lot farther. I will say of all the meme coins, Doge is like is term in terms of you know fundamentals. I guess if a meme coin can have fundamentals, I guess it, you know, it has the best because it's you know, it's the OG coin. But yeah, Shiba went way down. A bunch of these other ones, Akita. That was when that really got down to hard, and a lot of others. But yeah, that was. Hey man, God was, bless Doge. I, Doge. When I first saw it in January, I was like, I just kind of felt like, all right, if this just made it to Twitter and I'm seeing it, I could see that this, like, just because of people being dumbasses, that this would have some upward mobility. If I put a thousand dollars in at that time, it would be worth like a hundred fifty k right now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I feel that I, a few guys that I follow uh, really closely that, you know, I don't interact with them, but they're some of the bigger accounts I really like on Twitter. They totally called this right. They're, you know, they've called a lot of things right. You know, some of these guys and they've earned their following as a result of that. You know, and I've, I've seen them grow a lot, especially with this bull market that we've uh, we've been going through that I think is, you know, which is really it, it's it's it gives me flashbacks to 2017 in main, the mania like in December, 2017, when, you know, Bitcoin was reaching new all time highs, you know, 
up to uh, just under 20,000 at the time, you know, Ethereum was up to $1,300, you know, and that was, you know, everything was pumping. Retail was just in retail was talking about, you know, Bitcoin going a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars. You know, that was, I, that was actually my beginning uh, in the market, but it just, it really kind of, it made me concerned actually for a little bit uh, about, you know, where we are in these terms of the market cycle. But, you know, I was sort of talking to one of my other really uh, good friends who's into this and he's a really intelligent guy. And, uh, you know, he was sort of like, he made the point to me that, you know, it sort of is more social media driven and it's actually going to help our, like the real, you know, crypto projects like Bitcoin, like Ethereum, you know, like Chainlink also, you know, that's another one uh, that I think is really going to, like I, I mentioned last time, but again, I think that this is really sort of, you know, while retail, a lot of retail lost money, you know, retail made money and there's a lot of those stories out there now that, Hey, you can make money, you know, in crypto and it's relatively easy to access. You know, if you can go buy a meme coin, you can buy something that has, you know, real fundamental value. If the narrative catches on because retail, you know, tends to make dumb decisions like what's the uh what's the price on chain link uh it dipped well, the whole market kind of dipped on the whole elon news right now here let me check right now real quick on my phone i'll go on the binance uh it's yeah, i gotta i gotta get disciplined about when i like something actually taking the time to research it and buying it because i can't i've had so many things that i like I like the concept of it, but I also feel like, yeah, if I don't have the time to research it, I'm not doing it. And then right. usually by the time my like work day's over and podcast, like all that shit, and it's 12, I'm like, all right, let me sit down. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. Fuck it. I'm just not putting my money right. in. But I got I to gotta start getting a little bit more discipline on uh, actually pulling the trigger. Uh, so quick question. So Chainlink, I, I know, I remember you plugged the last time, yes. but you're, you're a believer in some of these other currencies, Ethereum, which I, I mean- the returns this year are even bigger than Bitcoin. How 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 much more potential do you see on the upward swing for Ethereum? A lot more. I see, you know, I could see it going higher here depending on, you know, what happens perhaps with Elon Musk uh, or other market factors that are currently affecting, you know, everything. You know, like inflation, which is something, you know, we, you know, that's what we originally uh, were talking about, I think, earlier. You know, we, we, uh, we talked about you know, Twitter DMs, but uh, yeah, I I think that Ethereum has massive upside. I everybody's talking about you know what's called quote unquote the flippening, which is you know Ethereum flipping Bitcoin's market capitalization, which is its overall value in terms of dollars. And I think there's definitely a good chance it could do that because a lot of you know, especially with decentralized finance taking off on Ethereum, that's just you know, there's you know, we, we keep saying we've said this. You know, every cycle, it's like, oh, this time it's a little different. This time it's different. The macro environment may have actually made things a little different this time. I, I'm not saying that there's not going to be a correction. You know, this is crypto. It's prone to massive drops. That's going to happen at some point. However, the Federal Reserve might have printed us into hyper Bitcoinization where, where everyone, everyone yeah. just wants out of dollars. It's yes. like, yes, exactly. they might've actually hit their uh, stated differently. Um, the power of the U S government has been in the fact that we are the reserve currency of the world. And with the modern, modern, modern monetary theory, amongst other things, there's this idea that there's infinite demand for our currency. And so we can just keep printing it and we don't even need to pay an interest rate on it. It could be that what we're seeing is that 
people are starting to get wise to the fact that the Federal Reserve has gotten greedy. They legitimately think that they can print infinite dollars with zero repercussions. And more and more people are just starting to like the fact that it's now mainstream news. Two years ago, I was the only asshole talking about inflation. There aren't that many people listening to me. You were, I mean, I wasn't the only I was. asshole. I was. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> I wasn't the only asshole, but I'm just saying it's like a fringe. Now, if you just look at like the value of Dogecoin has gone up basically because of social media, right? There's an influence right. of the value of an idea based off the publicity that it gets. I mean, that, that might sound heady. That, that, that's, not, that's an obvious statement. So the mainstream media on a daily basis reporting about the fact that there's inflation means that even a public perception that there's going to be inflation, like, you know what I mean? The perception will manifest the reality because if people start acting in a way, like if companies are charging more and all of a sudden, like it could just be theoretically, there's just a fucking lumber shortage. That's it. And the lumber is the only thing that's going up in value, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case, but if everyone looks at the lumber thing and they're like, Oh shit, that's going up in price. And then people start thinking, Oh, I'm going to need more money next month to pay for my other shit. They start raising their prices. All of a sudden prices just start moving up. And if people are reading the newspaper, prices are going up, inflation's coming. People are expecting inflation. It's going to move that way. And like you're saying, the Fed might have actually overplayed its its bluff here of thinking that it could spend endless money without any ramifications and people are really starting to fucking split. And as people start to fucking split for an alternative currency, it, we're still not at a point like our, our parents who have way more money than we do. Most of these guys are not actually in crypto. It's only very sophisticated 50-year-olds that are in fucking crypto and they've right. got more money than we do. So if those people start to panic and want to get out of U.S. currency... I, I mean, we're we're talking like there's no stock in the world that has ever attracted that kind of attention where people are like, you know what I mean? No one's ever fled the entire stock market to be in one asset class. We're talking about if people were fleeing from currency into crypto, that we're we're that, that we're, we're we're talking going to Mars like that. That's the pitch for getting your fucking money in in terms of just how high the thing can go. Exactly, and. Honestly, you saying all that out loud, it's kind of making me kind of like this, like feeling in my, just this gut feeling and just of, oh man, like that's, it, it really feels like, okay, I, I don't want to, I'm not making any calls or anything here, but like if there was a macro environment for what's called the super cycle where we have hyper Bitcoinization, it would at the earliest be now, if it doesn't happen this cycle, if we, you know, we go through the normal, we go crazy, blow off top, massive drop. We cycle back into dollars, you know, from Bitcoin and then market goes through bear market for a while. Definitely next cycle, I think, is next best candidate. But with the amount of, you know, like you everything you said with inflation and then the political unrest, uh, the culture falling apart, just every every, just how crazy everything has been, especially with 2020 and all of COVID. Just if it was going to possibly happen like now, like it, it, it could. And, and potentially, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this becomes a little bit of a feedback loop situation where exactly. you and I, we look at the political environment way different than other people do. And it's easy to assume that people are thinking the same way that we are. I mean, go ahead. Well, I actually, so this is just anecdotal evidence. This is pure anecdotal evidence. I am basically a crypto evangelist. I, tell everyone I know that I'm close to. I don't just go telling random people in the street like, hey, you know, buy Bitcoin, buy Ethereum, buy chain. Like, no, like friends, you know, acquaintances that I'm close enough with, you know, by actually like they're and a lot of times because they sort of 
you know, realize what's happening with inflation. Everybody is sort of a lot more aware of everything going on. Like, I think a lot like the situation, because, you know, whenever people are, you know, in discomfort, they're uncomfortable, they have to like look around like, hey, what's causing the issues? And I think people are starting to feel that slowly with inflation. Like there's definitely more awareness, you know, and it's it's definitely, I think we are hypersensitive to that as libertarians. That's something that we are just always on. But I, I think it definitely, and I was talking to my, uh, you know, another anecdotal thing, I was speaking to my mom about this earlier. And she was saying how it's like, it, it feels sort of like, you know, like reminiscent of everything, like of the seventies, like, you know, to like with the gas, shortages all the unrest and then on top of that you know we have you know inflation and with a stagnant economy possibly you know stagflation coming back that's just like what she said and it's like it all just sort of clicked and you know and history of course does not repeat itself but it rhymes and man that and that was all the result of all the crap that was going on in the 60s and we saw that in one form and their their cure for that was the, the system that we have now and they've managed to keep it going for this long and now we have it's it's naturally falling apart as it, it would you know but instead of you know going into gold or other traditional assets we have this tech and bitcoin and decentralized finance which and yeah it and, just and an aspect as well is also if and this is kind of where i was going with the uh um, people don't really think like us, but if you distrust government and I think more people are going, uh, except for these people that fucking buy in, they're getting their fucking unemployment checks and they want nothing but to vaccinate themselves a hundred times over right. and wear 45 masks. But if you're not one of those people, and we also don't quite understand people that aren't living in the U S but it moving, moving into cryptocurrencies in a sense, it's a vote against government. Like you're, you're kind of defunding government wherever you live, just as as collectively we move, like if everyone were to move their money into Bitcoin, like we could essentially, I mean, listen, some force is going to come our way and they'll probably figure out how to extract some of our wealth, but it really is a vote against like the government system. Um, and I wonder as maybe more people have to confront, like I've spoken to people today who for their jobs were forced to get vaccinated and they're very upset about it. Really? Yeah, I've spoken to a couple. I spoke to three people today at an open mic that all like a month ago, we were all talking about we're not getting vaccinated. They all got vaccinated and they all said and they were saying like they actually right after they did it, there was like a feeling of shame because they like they there was a feeling where they lack self ownership where some shitty job was able to tell them you have to do something to retain your employment. So anyways, I'm wondering if like wow. there's a path forward here where more people actually want to opt out of the system or if you see countries like let's just say israel palestine go to war tomorrow right if you live in those you might just realize like wait why do i have my money in government money when i can have it in bitcoin and then even if these fucking governments fail i'm okay i'm not i'm not in the currency so i'm just saying uh, amongst the inflation aspect there's also i think I would have to guess that in this environment, you will see more individuals who are not trusting of government worldwide. You see what's going on in Colombia. And I think as more people um, distrust government, more there, there's more of a potential for the education for the fact that, well, you can kind of defund them or at least protect your wealth by being in crypto as opposed to just holding your government currency. Exactly. You, you, you stated it perfectly. Uh, just distrust. I really, and you know, again, we are libertarians or so hypersensitive to this, but like, 
I, I really think that just with the way that everything's been trending for, so like really kind of beginning like pre-Trump, but like really kind of exploded in 2016, like where basically the whole system just started to like the, the facade crack, like it cracked, you know, as, as Michael Malice says, like the mask, you know, came off. And I think that that sort of really kickstarted all this. And now I think it's just, it's, this is, a, this is a symptom of this, the whole, you know, system just collapsing and man, part like think, you know, I really hope that, you know, the whole theory that Bitcoin and a lot of crypto isn't, you know, is uh, like controlled and was a whole like, you know, plot, you know, that really NSA really yeah, being that smart. You know, yeah. Yeah. That, but like, are they scary. really, are they this smart? And it's like, maybe, but oh man, cause it's like, there's so many ways that this could go wrong. I look at like, you know, I, I think Can we I talked about that last time. Yeah. If they really are that smart, let's just say, mm -hmm. I think that's got to be select bankers and select individuals who want to hedge their bets and be ahead of the next curve and cash in more than I think they will, more than the U.S. government looking to secure its own interest. That that's is a, a very good point. That, but that is a wild statement. Um, and to, to explain, because I don't think everyone is as... Uh, um, because what I just said was a little bit cryptic. So I'll explain. I'll, I'll kind of flush out the idea. Uh, there's people that believe that perhaps uh, the NSA actually created cryptocurrency. Uh, and the benefit being one, uh, Bitcoin itself is actually not anonymous. It's a perfect ledger. And so it could be that it actually gave them the ability to track everything that's going on in the world while convincing people that they had a better option um, and uh, more anonymity, not the way that's pronounced, but whatever, than they actually did. Um, the other thing is that, it, as we've pointed out, the chief good of the American government is U.S. currency. Um, and so if they can forecast, similar to the internet, hey, I think there are, people might try and create currencies outside of government, right? So perhaps they could forecast the fact, well, let's get ahead of it and actually create that product. Um, now, in creating that product, that also means that they've potentially has the ability to crash that product. And if they can crash that product, then they really secure the value of the US dollar. And they can secure the fact that like, the funny thing about the US dollar is people will tell you it's crap, but they'll go, well, it's the best crap out there. You know what I mean? It's like, even right. your traditional finance people, they'll say like, I remember that they used to say that about government bonds. Like it doesn't matter if they get downgraded, there's still like the gold, it's everything compared to that. So even if it's B rated, so then everything's fucking F rated by comparison. It's like still the gold standard, even if it's shit, right? right? So when Bitcoin comes around, you suddenly got the argument, well, we got this better thing. Well, if the government can ruin that thing, then, you know, maybe for at least another 100 years, people think the US dollar is the best potential option. But now I'm throwing out a new theory that it's also just as likely that maybe the smartest people in government did see like the weakness in the system. And so they're hedging their bet. Like, you know, maybe they're the earliest people they've got their silent wallets. And so th they don't fucking care if, yeah. if, 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 if they lose control of the universe and Bitcoin goes to the moon, they've got, they're in, they were in when it was like, you know, pennies on the whatever and they're protected. And, uh, we can only hope that that's the real scenario <laughs> where they just hedge themselves well so that, you know, they'll come out on top no matter what. Right, right. I mean, yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, new world order kind of stuff. I mean, as we've sort of seen over the past few years that that 
you know, there seems to be a little more truth to that whole theory uh, than a lot of us originally thought. <laughs> All right. Know, so you know. we, we've, uh, we're, we're now 22 minutes in and we didn't even get into the, the reason I hit you up, which was another right. fan texted me a chart that just, it looked weird to me. The chart that they had sent me, and I'll put it into the episode description, had been tweeted out. Um, I forget the account that it was tweeted out from, but the chart was basically saying that the amount of US currency in circulation now equals the, I guess, amount of uh, crypto in existence. Now, firstly, I'm not sure if they mean total US like assets priced in US dollars. They mean like physical dollars that people like the amount of cash in the world. I wasn't clear on that. Um, but th there were two things that struck me in that. The first thing that struck me was, have we now hit a, ma a critical mass in crypto where it's only going up, where there's so much adaptation, you can't possibly say that this is like a fad or a fluke. It's like we've now created the equivalent of a new stock market. Like, listen, the stock market might go down tomorrow. Certain stocks might crash. The stock market's not going away. And if there's so much like crypto, like usage of crypto at this point that we're, in a, we're similar to usage of the US dollar, I would say, okay, we've hit critical mass. This thing's not going away. So that's on the positive side to go, hey, I think this thing's going to grow. On the negative side, there's a lot of really shitty cryptos out there. And so that wasn't telling you that your Bitcoin and Ethereum are at that level. That's just telling you that the entire crypto market's at that level, which might also mean that if some of the shit stuff starts failing, it's going to actually be a really bad look, which what we were explaining of maybe the US, uh, you know, specifically wants the crypto market to look bad. So with that, which were just my initial thoughts of looking at this chart, which I haven't really validated, I'll hand it back to you as more of an expert in regards to crypto um, to kind of fill me in on what you were seeing there and, you know, what your thoughts were. Right. Yeah. So basically what you were saying about, you know, sort of the critical mass thing, but also I'm, I'm looking at it right now. It's on my phone right here. Um yeah, it definitely. I'm def. I, I'm kind of not so sure. I think it's possibly the amount that's in circulation, but that doesn't make sense. I think there might be more than that, or maybe it's the amount printed. Oh, actually, no, you it was of, increased. You mean of crypto or of of dollar? Of dollars. I'm trying to think because maybe it's yeah, in terms of value. That's kind of yeah. That's okay. Like. Yeah, I'm just. Oh, I'm so the crypto account was from yeah. uh, Greg um, underscore IP. He's the chief economics commentator for the Wall Street Journal. So the guy's not a slouch. Um, right. And the chart is the weekly value of U.S. currency versus cryptocurrency, um, which I, I yeah, you know what? To be honest, I, I the chart looked interesting. I don't actually know what it's telling me. It's definitely not the easiest one to read because the, da the data isn't necessarily clearly laid out. Uh, but I think what he's getting at is basically that crypto has gotten to in some way i think maybe it's surpassed a little bit but it's about where the total value of the crypto market is about equal to the amount of dollars itself in circulation perhaps uh but then again also like it's not entirely all us dollars into the market the crypto is global so it's you know it's pounds it's euros it's yen uh but definitely you know that if it's if it's rivaling the amount of dollars in existence like the value you know since we're just using not necessarily, you know, dollars, but like, you know, the measure of value uh, with dollars. I mean, yeah, it definitely is a bullish thing that crypto has gone up, you know, so much and that it's now rivaling the dollar in terms of valuation, you know, compared to the dollar. Um, I think, like I said earlier, crypto, we have always had a massive correction and there is at some point going to be one, whether it's 
maybe this is the cycle top and we're just in mania ourselves and we don't realize it because when you're in a bubble, you don't realize you're in a bubble. That's, you know, the one rule of bubbles. Um, you know, it could be in six months, you know, we, we could, could be in a year, could be further out. It could be that we actually get the hyper Bitcoinization sort of like situation where it is for a while up only, you know, and then, you know, we have a crash because, you know, like you mentioned before, a lot of these crappy shit coins, they fail because they really have no value. Like this, for example, Shiba, you know, a new, which was the Doge competitor. There's, there's no value there. Can you explain? Yeah. So just for the ignorant, um, and I mean myself, what makes Shiba a valueless coin? Like what, what, what is it that in the nature of Shiba, because you can make the argument, you know, people trade cigarettes in a prison, like currencies as good as people want to allocate it as a, you know, a vehicle for trade. So what about Shiba is fundamentally flawed that you can, you can predict and say, Hey, this thing's going to fucking, you know, fail within the next 10 years. The tokenomics, it's like flat out, just the way that it's, it's structured. You can tell it's, it's just, it's, it's a joke. It, it's, there's no serious thought or development put into it at all. And I'm not saying it, you know, it can't be used as a currency. Obviously. I mean, it, has been it was used as a and still is being used as a currency for some people somewhere but in terms of uh you know store of value which money needs you know a sound money is a store of value as money and as an investment i i don't i don't think there's anything there at all period just because of, of that alone and on top of the fact that its fundamentals is that it's going to the moon like doge which is itself a joke it's you know, it's it's not exactly, you know, Bitcoin's, you know, digital gold or ultimate reserve asset or, you know, Ethereum's, you know, global computer and smart contract platform that it's, you know, there's not as much valuation there. All right. So let's take a moment and just totally talk out of our asses, um, which is all I do on this My show. You know, you're a little bit more informed than I am, but okay. So let's just Take a look. Let's start with the stock market. Stock market, you want to talk about due for a correction. They've got to be due for a correction. And if you look at it from my perspective, this thing started with QE. It's been Fed money like ever since. And at, at some point, it just doesn't seem sustainable. Now, what happens to the stock market that, that, that it shoots the bed? It's essentially you start seeing inflation. The Fed's got to increase interest rates. People all of a sudden have yield somewhere other than just being in stocks. They start pulling out a little bit of the perception, people that are overly leveraged, people that have been taking out loans to continue to stay in the stock market, that perception of up, 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 up kind of goes away. People start pulling out and all of a sudden we're just looking at a, at a different environment. Um, now, does the Fed instantly step in and make some sort of a correction to ensure that the stock market doesn't come down? Perhaps, but let's just say... I, I like in, in simple terms, if we see a lot of inflation and the Fed has to raise rates, I think it's predictable that people take money out of the stock market and put it into yield bearing instruments. I, I will say one kicker before I hand this back to you, which is perhaps there's such an, ex, um, an expectation of inflation that people really want to be in stocks because they see stocks as riding inflation because of a fed backstop that's kind of the kicker on that analysis so before i go any further i'll hand it back to you yeah i think you you know summed up really well definitely crypto if we do get that hyper bitcoinization scenario will suck a lot of capital away from the stock market especially from those over leveraged 
uh, people in positions that they shouldn't be in, in the natural, you know, in a, in a truly free market, they wouldn't be dealing with their capital like that at all, because of course they would lose their shirts. But my question is, do, yeah. do some of the crypto people move to bonds, which also oh, okay. is in a sense, uh, it, it, in a sense, a move to bonds, by the way, like uh, if you look at the old school carry trade, for example, it's still a currency play because even though like you're getting the higher interest rate, you're also playing the currency that the, that the currency that you're being paid back in is going to remain at a similar value to what you're going to have to convert it back to US dollars, right? So even if I like, for example, so if I take my money out of Bitcoin, let me state it differently. If I take my money out of Bitcoin, um, and you, by the way, real finance people might blow up about this. So you might instantly correct me and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, cause you know, you might argue that Bitcoin is not an investment, but let me just finish my thought here. Let's say theoretically us interest rate went to 5% tomorrow. And so I decide, Hey, I'm going to cash out a Bitcoin and I'm going to go buy myself a us bond. So I'm not just chasing the yield. I'm also doing a play in the us currency that I don't think inflation is going to be so great that I would have been better off leaving my money in Bitcoin or stated differently that Bitcoin is going to appreciate in value so much that I'm better off parking my money in Bitcoin as opposed to putting it in a yield, um, you know, in a, in a bond yield of a U.S. government that's going to pay me 5% because it's paying me out in U.S. currency, which might be devaluing. Are you with me so far? Right. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of following it. It's yeah. I, I think I see, I think I, that it, that the yield of putting, you know, if, if they're able to pull some, you know, fed, fuckery that they'll be able to entice you know people that would otherwise invest in btc to hold bonds that are giving them a greater well, yield it's not even it's not even yeah. fed fuckery it's just if they raise yeah. interest rates how many people yeah. would prefer being in a u.s bond which actually pay like which you might see as being more secure mm -hmm. right and pays you an interest rate versus holding your money in btc so i right. guess the question all right let me let me just take a step back i'll ask you a simple question okay Let's just say theoretically, we see major inflation, US interest rate goes to 4%. Do you think that that would screw over the crypto market where people, like I said, of the stock market might pull out of the stock market chasing yield, which by the way, I might even have that right. That might just be a fleeting like headline I've seen in the Wall Street Journal. That's not like some advanced financial analysis that I actually have. It's just a fleeting headline. Right. So I'm just asking you, if you saw, if interest rates go up, are people pulling out of crypto and getting into bonds or is that not a concern? It depends how bad the inflation is because if we're truly experiencing hyperinflation as it has been experienced throughout history, then any asset that's not a dollar will go up in value and people will not want to hold dollars because it will ultimately be costing them more money despite what they're getting in bonds because they know that it's just going it's not going to be there when it when they go to cash in the bonds or they don't want to deal with the party. Like for example, they don't want to deal with the U S government because they know that the U S government isn't solvent for much longer. For example, that's going to ultimately drive people. And there's an argument actually for stocks being one of the, you know, areas of, you know, investment for like saving your capital during hyperinflation as, as a hedge against inflation. You know, if you're actually in companies that are supposedly managing, you know, themselves well and aren't, over leverage and all that BS. I'm not really a stock expert and traditional finance expert. My area of expertise is, you know, in the crypto markets and blockchain. Uh, but that's sort of my understanding as far as that goes on stocks. And well, when overall, things I guess really yeah. switch is uh, 
if you end up in a point where like a company is even pricing their own shit in fucking crypto, like they want to sell in exactly. crypto and they exactly. want to price themselves in crypto. And uh, what's interesting. All right. This is going to be, I don't know. This might be so autistic that it just bothers people, but fuck it. I'll say it. And then I'll hand it back over to you. But I think we can close on this. I was working on a joke a little while ago uh, that it bugs the hell out of me when people tell me a time for something and it's not the time that they mean. And what I mean by that is like, if you want to meet me somewhere at 10 PM, just say 10 PM. If you mean 10, 15, just tell me 10, 15. The concept of time is that we've all agreed. Like it's a universal language of when we don't agree on most languages. We don't even agree on like inches versus the metric system. But if there's one thing we agree on, it's that 10 o'clock is 10 o'clock. So don't fucking tell me 10 o'clock. If you want to show up at 10, 15, just tell me 10, 15. Tell me 1030. Tell me 11. It doesn't matter what fucking time you tell me, but the idea of time is that we're agreeing on a when, right? You see what I'm right. saying? Right. And, and, and by, and like, think about it this way. If there was like, like China, there's time zones. I got to convert time zones, but imagine if you didn't just have to convert time zones, but like they, they worked off of like a different even clock and you had to like double convert. You know what I mean? It would be a hindrance to interacting. So currency in a way has a similar like problem where it's like, we're all kind of talking different languages and you know, that we're dealing with different currencies. So you have to actually change your currencies. Like, so what I'm, what I'm getting at is Bitcoin is theoretically the only global currency, um, which firstly means that it becomes a platform for kind of more collaboration. And it also means that like, you can get away from the idea of the, like, there's the U S stock market or there's the, this exchange or there's the, that exchange. You know what I mean? As things move over to possibly Bitcoin or different crypto, I would think it would be Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin is the the best of them and possibly, the you know, what I would argue the only true currency of, of them. But anyways, you know what I mean? You can end up uh, just in like, uh, like it, it becomes a different ball game if more and more people opt into, hey, I'm accepting like Bitcoin is the measurement system. That's almost a different way to look at it. You know what I mean? It's like right. the same way there's like, the we, we use a ruler and I don't know what they use in other countries. Maybe they got a ruler, but it's got their instead of inches, it's got whatever they measure their dicks in. Um, <laughs> I think but, millimeters, perhaps. Yeah, millimeters. They got bigger <laughs> or smaller wieners. I don't know what they do to measure them. Uh, but yes, I, there's, there's an adoptability that as more people want to transact in Bitcoin and the fact that it's global. You know what I mean? It's like if everyone just started talking Spanish and then more people got to fucking talk Spanish. Like it just becomes kind of more of the norm. Right. And furthermore, to build off that, you know, currency itself, like money itself is a belief system. It's, it's almost a religion, you know, like you believe in the dollar, which is why you hold it in your, you know, your wallet and you'll pay someone because it's like tomorrow, this will buy me something. You, you believe in it. So if some people lose faith in the dollar because the only thing that gives the dollar value is the full faith and credit of the United States government and the United States government. They, we realize that it has none of that, none of that at all. There's no value there. If everybody else realizes that and it's all BS, then the dollar is worthless and they're going to have to use something else. And like you said, you know, Bitcoin, I think, yeah, first and foremost, I think Bitcoin is definitely positioned to be, you know, the reserve assets, you know, in all of crypto. And then I think, you know, there's uses for all other ones, like definitely like ether, I think has applications as a currency itself, but, but it's more specialized and 
you know, like you said, like Bitcoin definitely is Ether is. different than Ethereum, or that's just well, shorthand. Ether, Ether is just the native currency for Ethereum. So, like with Bitcoin, you have capital B Bitcoin, the net, which is the network and the nodes and the miners and the validators and all that. And then you have lowercase Bitcoin, which is you know BTC, which is the token that is right runs on Bitcoin. It's, that's you know, it's it's just it's the same name. Whereas with Ethereum, Ethereum is the network, and then you have Ether, which is you know the currency for the network and then with Chainlink, it's you know the link token because it's it's used for as a utility token cool all right uh i think we covered everything i thought we were going to do a 10 minute segment but you get me yeah. you get me thinking on currency and i just go uh anything else you want to add before we call in an episode um just do you hey if if you have any extra you know dollar holdings you know, obviously, you know, every, I, I, I get, I guess most people listening to this are libertarians or at least libertarian leaning. So if all, if you don't have any money in crypto or precious metals or, you know, firearms yet, you know, get your money there. Uh, and just, yeah, just look, start looking into, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all that. And just, you won't, you know, you won't regret it. And just, you know, go follow me at, at Pavel trades on Twitter. There you go. Hey man, thanks so much for doing it. Thank you for having me back, Robbie.